0: Burn it. Was Burn you, what?
1: Were you being a Dalek just then? Burn it. Oh, sorry. You're right. Oh, well, you being Peter Garrett. So
0: you're being Peter Garrett. Burn
1: it. <laughs> yeah, <you know. laughs> sorry.
0: Yeah. That's it. Yeah, it's the, it's the midnight, midnight oil approach to uh, a call to action. But then doing midnight oil in the Dalek voice is the best though. Okay. Go. US
1: forces give the nun.
0: I can't tell the difference.
1: Again, I want to
0: U.S. Per- forces.
1: <laughs> I want to personally apologize to Dale's ears.
0: Now I'd like to apologize to Peter Garrett for being honest. <laughs> I think he's been done an unfairness. Yeah, here today. you're right.
1: That is an injustice. What you just did.
0: Um, g- good.
1: Sorry, g- uh, Garrett. Good
0: band, Peter. Well done. Yeah. Good job.
1: Close and personal friend, Peter Garrett. Yeah. Uh, we apologize for his actions. Short memory must have a short memory. To be honest, I don't really like the Oh, what? I'm just joking. Oh my just <laughs> joking.
0: <laughs> Jokes. Sorry. I don't, it's, it's like, there's a lot that I don't like.
1: Mm, yeah. Interesting.
0: But it's, it's they're fucking great.
1: They're
2: all right. Yeah. Um, I, lo- I just love 10 to 1 as an album because it's like total post-punk era of them. They mm-hmm. haven't sort of evolved into this thing that's a bit cheesy. Yeah. Um. And like with Birds Are Burning, as much of a banger as that birds is. Birds Are it is a Burning.
0: Birds Are Burning. Birds
2: Are Burning. How <laughs> bark and we sleep <laughs> when these birds are burning. <laughs>
0: Keep me up all night with her shrieking. Bone and burning birds.
1: <laughs> no, I just want to watch Hot Fuzz.
0: All right, fair enough. But yeah, no, I'd like, okay, so you're right. That song is cheese, but there's so much of, like, a certain era of Australian music that is, like, 1,000% cheese, but also a 1,001% banger. Which
2: but is not is, how what I love works. about 10 to 1 is, is, is it's actually bizarre. Like, it's at the okay. point where, like, you listen to it even then and now. Is weird, and that's why I listened to it because like it came on the radio once when for some reason that was on in a car. I don't know why that was happening. Weird. Um, but and it was like oh, and here's an, from this anniversary of this album, and and like it was this unworldly screaming over like <laughs> it's strange chaotic. This is not and, the Midnight Oil that I know. Um, no, um, and like this this hits on the like power and the passion.
0: Yeah, classic. But Short Memory is like an amazing song. It is amazing. Yeah. I would I would also say that it's like. Albums that I probably ignored on account of cheese cringe Mm. as a younger person. Cheese cringe? Cheese cringe. Isn't Um, that a rind? uh, The the cringe of the cheese. (laughs) (laughs) It's a portmanteau of cheese and fringe. It's for the outside of your parmesan. Um, But no, like to the cheese cringe of of certain songs that I kind of like avoided listening to an album. And it's like listening to Whispering Jack by John Farnham. Mm. That fucking fucking album is so full of bangers. It doesn't stop. It's amazing. One more step. Getting closer to you. And then fucking the final track, Let Me Out, is a fucking.
2: Let me out.
0: Yeah, it's fucking awesome. And
2: like the. Better when that's a brass section and not just my voice. Then me just going.
0: (laughs) 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 It's just like John Farnham's uh, Whispering Jack as played from The Mariana Trench. (laughs) Can you hear that? Just dipping your ear in the waters. <murr>, is that understand. John Farnham? Are it be. <laughs>
2: it's right there. at me. <laughs> I'll be back with Moritz. Or rather down with Moritz. <laughs> it's, it's just
0: transforming John Farnham into essentially Davy Jones. Davy Jones is whispering Jack. <laughs> <It's like, laughs> oh, <laughs> You've outdone yourself. Try and understand it. Make a noise and make it clear. <laughs> <laughs> Personally, I'm amazed uh, that you're actually making the backwards hat work. Are oh, you changing it? Okay, that's it's, fine. It's,
2: it's rubbing against my
0: forehead. It right. looks
1: cute either way. I well, I guess, guess I've
0: spoiled who's wearing the hat today already, haven't I? Hey, everybody. It's a greeting from me and us. How are you? Answer in your own time. Uh, welcome to the Music and Everything podcast once again today. Friends, as I've already spoiled, Samuel is in the hat and he's changed <laughs> it. He was wearing it backwards and now he's flipped it back around forwards. which he's just scratching my Forehead. Okay, it's now it looks a lot more sensible. Um, but since you are wearing a paddle pop lion T-shirt, <laughs> um, I don't think that there's any saving this right now.
1: We're we not rich neutral ground.
0: Actually, no, it does balance itself out completely. So now I feel like I'm eating a, a stick-flavoured ice cream. I'm just like <laughs> it tastes like the stick. Ew, that's the worst. And power. I look as a father looks. You look in the, in the manner that a father does. <laughs> um, so yeah. Anyway, so the podcast and uh, the people who are listening to this absolute nonsense today. We're talking about the wonder, the magic, the dark evil black magic that is coding. <laughs> God, help Samuel. All. God help us God help us here. Here's <laughs> the thing, Sam. I'm going to level with you right now. I know, <laughs> literally, and I'm, I'm going to. And this, I'm not using literally figuratively. I mean literally. <laughs> Zero things about coding. Unless I do and you're going to prove me wrong. You tell me.
2: I guess we'll find out. Fuck.
1: I also know nothing about coding. Hell yeah, we'll learn and it today. And
0: neither do I.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but why do you have 90 pages of notes
0: in front of you right now?
2: <laughs> what I mean to say is, is that I do not know how. Um, none of us are of the generation where it was taught in schools um, and none of us do it professionally or as a hobby. So it's actually a thing that is external to us. When
0: did it start being taught in schools in Australia, Samuel?
2: Um, well, I don't actually know. I think it right. was like in the past... It wasn't that long
0: after I finished In school. the past, do you think?
1: <laughs> no, past. no, no. Uh, so uh, I'm four years younger than you and yeah. it still wasn't being taught in schools when so I we've left. So we narrowed it
2: down to a six, <laughs> what, six years. Yeah, there we go. So I um, Actually, so no, it
1: wasn't being taught in schools when my youngest... Si- it was just being taught in primary schools when my youngest siblings graduated in the year of our Lord 2017. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, so it is very recent. Very recent, Added yes. to the curriculum yeah. because it is relevant to life, question <laughs> yeah.
1: mark. Well, it's, it's uh, an... I feel like... Like it's a useful skill to have.
0: What? Do you need it?
1: I mean, no, but I'm an academic, darling. Oh, yes, I'm
0: sorry. <laughs>
2: I'm terribly sorry for your loss. Sam, tell us. Um, well, I mean, now like so many jobs, so many things in life depend on coding. And like, you know, 50 years ago, computers were in a thing that you put in a room. Sorry, hang on. When, how long was 50 years ago? 60 years ago, put around 60 years ago, was a computer. Was a room you went into. Yeah, right. And now it's integrated into our lives to the extent that it's essentially a limb. Um, so there's chances, chances probably of Probably how you're listening to this
0: via your limb. Yeah,
2: via <laughs> your phone hand.
0: Yeah. Um, the vibrations being sent through your bones. <laughs> um, continue.
2: <laughs> yeah, and so like you know, it's going to be more so as we go forward, not less, unless more relevant. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, technology is going to be more enmeshed in our lives. Computers yeah. are going to be more a part of our lives than they are already. Because even in our lifetimes, the change has been, like,
0: unthinkable. But, like, and I know it seems like a really obvious thing, but I feel like it needs to just be said at the beginning of this that computers and computing don't happen on their own. <laughs> somebody yes. has to make them and somebody has to do the, the groundwork. Yeah, work. they're not yes. magic. Yeah, they're not magic.
2: And that's kind of, that's a big lesson from that we're going to go through today.
0: Because that was a similar thing that we went through when we talked about sewing. Yeah. It was like one of the first things that Samantha said was that it's important to note that all of your clothes are handmade, but our person was involved in all of that. It's really important as well. Like we think of software mm. as this non-existent self-perpetuating thing, but obviously somebody built that from a zero nothing to what you see. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's important. Humans do it.
2: Okay. We need <laughs> yeah. it
0: because people do it.
2: Yeah, and like all of this is invented, but also this is easier to see because it's happened really really fast and like very recently. Mm. So, let's um let's like let's let's begin at the word um because we say coding, coding is kind of a little bit kind of misleading. What we really mean is programming. Okay. Of course coding is the common term. Like if you go on to Reddit to look for communities for code, like people coders they called right. They call it coding. That's fine. Is it is
0: it like the nineties movie hackers. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was I should have set a countdown for when you were gonna mention the 90s movie hackers. Yeah, I should have set
1: a time on just like Into the main I frame.
0: think what's probably more relevant to ask is how many times i are gonna refer <laughs> to the movie. Hackers. We're gonna do it so many times. Okay, right. um, Go on. So did your yeah. mom buy you a pewter for Christmas?
1: <sighs> I want so it to coding, be clear I've never seen this movie. So we known. should watch it,
0: coding We're gonna watch is... it after this. Go on.
2: Oh <laughs> <laughs> <I'll> wait. <laughs> Coding is programming and programming is commanding a computer to do things. Okay. Um, So a nice way of putting this would be that so programming is ultimately just making a machine do something that you're telling it to do. But not just one thing, because it's a computer. A computer, by definition, can do many things. That's what programming, that's what makes it meaningful. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's just, you're just building a chip that turns a light on when you flick a switch right. or something. Okay. Like the kind of ones you get. Well, you like know, an
1: adding machine.
2: Yeah, well, like an adding machine that only does one thing. So a computer does multiple things, that's the whole idea. So that's what, why programming exists. You program something because you, you can actually give it different programs. And you could create a new program to make the computer do something else. But of course, programming has a history before computers, which I'll we'll get to in a second.
0: So coding is <laughs> sort of coding is <laughs> programming goddamn it, dude. It's gonna be fine. Just it's somebody writing fine. down that's just schizophrenia, dude. It's just somebody writing on a wall. <laughs> I think I basically so,
2: like to fast forward to, to now, right? We we're just talking about coding as it is in, taught in schools and stuff. That is a simplified way of instructing a computer to do something. Okay. So, if you're looking at code and it's like oh, like a Python script or something and you're like, this is bewildering. I have no idea what this is. That's the simple version. <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm. that's the abstracted version. It gets way harder. Yes. So, I want to talk about programming before computers. Okay. So, the earliest programming is the, the programming of a machine. So, this is the ninth century. So, get out of your head <sighs> programming like a computer, right?
0: Get out of your head programming oh, like God a computer. Damn. Oh, God. there's just public forums then. <laughs> people um, like raging about women in public forums instead of on internet forums. That's very here. funny. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that's continues. unfortunate. Um,
2: yeah. So like we're talking about, you, you can remember programming is telling a machine to do something. So um, the earliest thing is actually a musical machine. Okay. So it was a mechanical flute. Okay. So it was built by the brothers Musa in ninth century Baghdad. And what it essentially was, was you know like a regular sort of flute for its time. And then parallel to it was this moving drum that would spin. Um, and on that cylinder were little pins that would press down on the holes. Okay. So, as it moved, where the, if you would position the pins in certain places and they would uh, play a melody. Almost like a music box. Exactly like a music box. Yes, yeah, okay. Um, that's where music boxes come from. <laughs> but it's, a f- oh, really? Yeah. Fucking this is the true. lineage of the music box. Right. It goes
0: back to this. So, how is it a... F- Flute? Is there air being blown?
2: Yes. So it's powered by a water wheel,
0: uh, because this is the eight hundreds.
1: Of course, yeah. <laughs> they didn't have electricity. Of course. Yeah, so
0: they hadn't invented the hula hoop, so these kids are just out <laughs> making <laughs> f- fucking flutes. flutes and shit.
2: It's it's insane. So okay, <laughs> they have like a, it's like a thing that would mean that water could pass into a space, but it was an air pocket. So that putting water into the space through flow would force the air out. So the air would be forced out by the force of the water wheel, which was also yeah. spinning the cylinder. And that would pass into the flute. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: I think you're lying.
2: I'm not lying. <laughs> okay, fair. So this is the earliest known programmable machine. Wow. Um, and they even had like valves and like little conical valves and stuff that would vary the air pressure. So it would express. Sorry. Yes, Samantha. Samantha has her hand up.
1: Can you change, uh, on this wheel that's spinning, you're saying that there's all these pins and stuff. So would every key have a pin associated with it or could you like remove ones so that only certain...
2: Well, the whole idea is that you would be able to have a different cylinder with different pins in it for, for a different song. song. For oh, different melodies, okay. Yeah. But if,
0: think of like the music yeah, box. No, Do that you know makes what I'm sense. talking yes, about? When yeah. you- so in that way, <laughs> yes. in that yes. way how uh, the fu- oh, how is
2: that programming if it only has a single use? It doesn't have a single use because you can, you can give it different programs.
0: So the different programs oh, so the yeah. are the, the slotted yep, yep, things yep, 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 that you yep, put into play. Yep. So like, that's a different song
2: to the music box. That's so that's the code.
1: And then the, the computer yeah, way, is yeah. the water wheel that's moving everything.
2: It is definitely the program because the, yeah, I'll get, I'll get to that. <laughs> so the pianola. <laughs> oh, <my> Jesus. <laughs> this, and this is also the pianola, which was much, much later in 1896.
0: Okay. And that's the music box that we, that we know.
2: Yeah, same mechanism. No, piano yeah. roll is like the, uh, the, the piano that playing. plays itself.
0: Oh, those things that you see in picture theatres and the films.
2: <laughs> yes, um, and actually, the films. so, and of course, this is the origin as well of like uh, the piano roll, which you know, Jim. Yeah. From um, like producing music and when you're arranging stuff in yes. stacks. Yeah. So it's the, doing that in that way where you've got these sort of uh, parallel bars mm. uh, for representing different notes and durations... Um, that's how they the thing they'd put on the piano We might piano put a roll. screen
0: capture or something like that on Instagram just to explain what that is. No, exactly. Yes, yeah. it's so like in a in a uh, like Pro Tools or something like that. It's it's where you would there's like a, a visuals of a piano sideways across the top, and you're putting notes across. It's hard to describe, so we'll put a picture mm. up there. But and we um,
1: would like to thank Pro Tools for sponsoring. I'm just kidding. Yeah, no,
0: <laughs> they would never. <laughs> they would never.
2: Okay, so a really big milestone in programmable machines. Mm-hmm. Is one that I think we actually might have very briefly talked about when we talked about sewing, um, which was Jacquard's loom. Yes, that was so soon. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so the Jacquard's loom, and we mentioned that that's the origin of punch cards. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Okay,
0: yeah, because yeah. yes. everyone had to work at the loom in a shift, and so that's why they.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, because I So it's like clock when clock they out. had to clock out. You can't yeah. see,
0: but I'm rolling my yeah, eyes. <laughs> you can hear it. <laughs> you also, can hear it. <laughs> clunk.
1: Side note: Jacquard spelled J A C Q U A R D. Right? Yeah. Am I That's saying That's a I'm kind right? of material. You can get a Jacquard like it's a style of stitching. I thought it was
0: a type of soft sponge. <laughs> it is the name of Joseph Marie Jacquard.
1: Because owl. Um, it's a jacquard sponge. You our, uh, mattress protector has is this jacquard mattress protector because it's got this kind of cross stitched pattern through it mm. to for for tensile strength and
0: made with labour laws in mind. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wonderful. Okay, so this is
2: early nineteenth century, um, and it was okay, in short, it's a loom that uses punch cards to create different patterns.
0: Yeah, it's fucking amazing. So sick.
2: So yeah. Okay. Now, if if you don't know what a punch card is, um, it was a thing from early computing, think nineteen fifties, and they would program a computer. Um, with these cards that would have holes in them, and essentially the holes would be patterns that the computer would then recognize as like
0: an instruction. So each one on. would have a unique set of holes. Yeah, exactly, and it would just insert, and the computer would go like, and "Oh." And that's it's essentially a ones. binary thing—you're on and off. If you've of seen in the
1: movie Hidden Figures, yes, you see an example of this because th- one of the women learns how to use the I- IBM computer with uh-huh. punch cards, and you see her learning Fortran, which is one of the early languages. Computer languages, there right? It.
2: Yeah, it's one of the early compilers. Yeah. So, um,
1: you keep saying these words. Again. <laughs> <laughs> just, just let me go through it, <laughs> friends.
2: Um, so this is a huge jump because the Jacquard loom meant that instead of making, you know, if you had, wanted to make a complex pattern, it would be just insanely laborious to do it mm-hmm. um, with a draw loom. Um, so you would have to, um, it would take. Well, child labor and like uh, weeks and it would be horrible. Um, but this time you could actually program it. And even if it took like an unthinkable number of palm cards, you can make really intricate designs. Palm cards? Did I say palm cards? You did. Yeah.
0: <laughs> You're about to give a presentation in year eight English. <laughs> I was about to say the same subject in the same year. Yeah. Uh, we all share that we, same trauma. That is the memory.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I'm thinking like there's this. Uh, there was a portrait of Jacquard that was done in silk. And it's really, really detailed. It's actually beautiful. A portrait. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's it's almost photorealistic. Holy fuck. It took 24,000... Punch cards. cards. These cards are, like, the size of, like, a bookshelf, by the way. They're, like... What the fuck? <laughs> they're Wait, massive. You were
1: going to say 24,000 hours. No. Because that's a lot of 20 hours. 20 minutes.
0: Just a lot of punch <laughs> cards.
2: 24,000 so,
0: cards. Um, yeah, so that's insane. So that 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 is... But somebody then, in order to make that, it's almost... I don't know. I feel like it's almost more mentally laborious than creating the pattern from scratch without it because somebody has to have the full thing conceived yeah. in their mind and then be able to articulate that in punch card form and then utilize the punch cards to do it. So it takes a visual imagination. Yeah. More so than just doing it from the ground up by hand.
2: Yeah, it's incredible, but it's, that's
0: just like sums up programming though because it's like so much work, so much more work to yeah. create the program for the loom. But it's then capable of making something far more complex than you could do from the ground up. Yes, very quickly. Very quickly. And, probably, yeah, and, and also
1: repli- replicable. Yeah, exactly, exactly the, same the same way, way totally. Over yeah. time, yeah. Mm.
2: Okay, so the link to this with computers, I mean, it seems kind of obvious especially with the punch cards, mm-hmm. but it kind of comes through this guy named Charles Babbage, which is mm-hmm. a pretty common household name. Charles Babbage actually had one of these Chuck B. Chuckie B had one of these portraits. And it was actually one of his inspirations. The Jacquard loom was his inspiration for his many different uh, machines. Because he was insane. Yeah, he was a crazy guy. <laughs> um, so, like, I wanted to bring up Charles Babbage because he's often credited as, um, well, he invented the computer. Like, that's basically like your childhood textbook version of that. Okay, that's um, pretty much true. I, I did not know that. Know that. <laughs> um, but it's usually people say, "Oh, Charles Babbage's difference engine." Yes. Um,
1: difference in anal- analytical engines yeah the difference
2: in analytical engines but I mean, the difference engine wasn't actually a computer
1: wasn't it a massive calculator
2: it was essentially a massive calculator but um, it, it was the first automatic calculator um, and it was just to calculate polynomials which I think if I recall is just like relationship between two data points anyway um, but that was very hard so he designed this, this machine that was these um, columns of, of turning cogs uh, and it would work very, very much like a, um, a calculator's, mechanical calculator's 100 years later. This is in the early 19th century. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing was fucking steam-powered. It was steam-powered. A steam-powered <laughs> cog machine. Yes. But it was also never built. Um, yes. It was actually never built. It's theoretical. It was theoretical. It was a good design. It was built in, I think, the early
1: 2000s. Heck of a PhD. Like 20 years ago, somebody sure. just built Babbage's difference <laughs> engine that's and it worked. Oh, I'm are yeah, it worked. I'm getting
0: like a really big kind of J.F. Sebastian kind of Blade Runner, oh. <laughs> you know, like little talking clowns. clown no, machines was really lovely. walking around his house and shit. You walk in and he's like, what is that? And this is like not important.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> anyway, that's the vibe I'm getting. So let's but the the inter- anyway, yeah, the yeah. Interesting that's what th- lives in my head.
1: <laughs> the interesting thing about Babbage is obviously other people that he worked with.
0: Yes.
2: But that's first, like the analytical engine, right? Yes. So the difference engine, he was building it, like, sorry, he was um, building parts of it and designing it. And he, was, um, he came up with a better idea, basically, which is like, hang on, this only does one thing. Hold whole like, bombshell moment, like light bulb, ding. What if we had a machine like this that could calculate anything depending on what we make it do? Basically, mm. something that could do anything, a thinking machine. He called it, the idea was the analytical engine. Um, and it was uh, the most one of the most ridiculously intricate things To be designed at the time And here's the visual aid I brought oh my Sam God. is doing a
1: visual aid i doing definitely it definitely
2: going on social media Because it's real cool yeah. So have a look at it And it's got lots f- and lots oh, of circles What the fuck
0: am I looking at? You're looking at Babbage's analytical engine Obviously, No GM. I'm not What I'm looking at is like uh, deforestation from the top Yes,
2: it was <laughs> the first idea of what we
0: would call You'll a computer You'll get it when you look on Instagram <laughs> So right, I'm always so right. fucking right.
2: Something really cool about this is that so when we think about computers, we talk about stuff like we use it like uh, brain uh, metaphors a lot. Like we say, oh, there's memory and there's thinking and processing. Yeah, okay. but Because he was basing this off a loom machine. The, right. In, in concepts, oh, I can
1: see that with the way that he's yeah. put all the cogs and stuff.
2: And also they're called so memory is called the store and the processing so he's is using is like, called the mill.
1: Oh, fuck off.
0: That's he's of- using sewing technology for thinky parts yeah. for the computer. So he's
2: basically, he had this concept of the loom, which he thought was brilliant. Yeah. And then he, he
0: designed a thinking machine so that we, runs on Steam. By the <laughs> way. So we have, we have like, he's just Belle's dad from Beauty and the Beast. All of my knowledge of human stuff is just film. Uh, no, I think that's, film.
1: that's totally valid. So,
0: but the, like, it just means that we've taken a very simple mechanical idea and just like decided arbitrarily to anthropomorphize it. Because it, yeah. th- it, thinks. it it's, thinks. It's a little man. <laughs> it's a little man in a box. Yeah, because he, he sort of visualised
2: it as almost producing
0: results. Yeah.
2: Like his difference engine was capable of, of theoretically, of like printing out tables like of information. an
0: unfeeling fucking thing you can kick when it's
2: misbehaving. So to, to sum up a bit, the punch cards... It used, it used punch cards in the, design, in the design, which were taken from the loom, but it also used turning cylinders... That for like the music
0: box design mm-hmm. that dates back to the Musa brothers in the ninth, ninth oh, century. God, what the fucking Jesus Christ! Yeah. Okay, so this dude, first of all, genius. Second of all, clearly insane. <laughs> uh, but I love the light bulb moment of just like it almost <laughs> him getting frustrated. It's like, why can't you do more than one fucking thing? <laughs> hmm. Hmm.
1: <laughs> Interesting. Well, I think. The interesting thing about Charles Babbage is that he wasn't the only crazy horse on that cart. Okay. Because he... Why is the
0: horse on the cart, do you think?
1: Because <laughs> he's crazy. Because <laughs> he's fucking crazy. <laughs> crazy. He's a crazy guy.
2: It takes
0: horses to um, move horses. Have you thought about that? Yeah, that's why what, it's called horse power.
1: Okay. I don't like any of this conversation okay. right now. What? I um, want to sorry. be king, dude? Jim. Yes. Do you know of Ada Lovelace?
0: Ada Lovelace?
1: Mm. Uh, no. Okay, so she was uh, Countess of Lovelace. She was the daughter of... <laughs> the fuck is Lovelace?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, was, I thought that too. Yeah, <laughs>
1: it's a place. A daughter of the poet Lord Byron. Okay, right. You may have... And she... Who was a notorious
0: um, philanderer. Yeah, his was. first name was Lord. But and <laughs> she is
1: considered the first programmer. Okay. Because she wrote a theoretical program for Babish's engine Outlet that engine. wasn't real, that hadn't been made... <laughs> There was a theoretical engine. So
0: what you're saying is you're now reporting to me that... uh, What year was this? Uh,
1: 1830
0: Okay, so I'm going to say hundreds of years ago, uh, (laughs) two people got really drunk in a pub and talked about a really cool idea, is what you're saying, and it never was manifest and it's all bullshit. But
1: no, they did end up making it and it works. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) It works. But also, the other thing that's really cool about um, Ada Lovelace is she was raised and tutored by her mother because her father was a massive flounderer, um, and was given an inordinate education in mathematics. Like she was overeducated in mathematics by that standard, which is probably means she she was just like incredibly brilliant. And yeah, I actually right. got
2: she basically had like yeah, professors of anything coming in all the time in science and maths. Yeah. And um like she actually became close close colleagues and friends with Charles Babish actually after they'd met when uh, she saw the difference engine uh, prototype the first time and it was just like this poof, talk about light bulb moments of going like yeah. holy shit, this is the thing and she was so, such a fan of the analytical engine that yeah. she spent you know a lot of effort to um basically write a program to calculate bernoulli numbers i think it is um using the machine and it is efficient that's generally officially recognized as the first computer program and for her the first computer programmer
1: She also, uh, uh, so basically somebody wrote an article about uh, the analytical machine in French and she translated that paper into English but added a whole bunch of her own notes which Mm -hmm. helped kind of expand the concept of basically computing and programming and she actually developed the concept of the loop and the subroutine concepts a century before electronic computing machines ever needed them. I don't understand
0: how you can make something up it doesn't exist <laughs> Okay. I don't understand. I think it's time. Uh, you can, like, let me just flesh out some more detail on this idea that hasn't happened yet. <laughs>
2: like, what the fuck? It, the, yeah, it, the machine does not exist.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: and I, got, I just want to clarify a few things yeah. about this idea. I might be getting a little carried away with this, but I can't wait for but this also- thing to be, like, a tool of propaganda. <laughs>
1: <laughs> They also, the Department of Defense in the UK has a high-level programming language, which they actually named after her, called Ada.
0: Ada? That's they what, didn't go with Lovelace? I mean... Come on.
1: But also... Oh, wait. Hang on a hey second. Hang on a second. In Becky
2: Chambers' book, Long Way to a... Slo- so, Lo- long
1: Way to a Small Angry small Planet.
2: Small Angry Planet. I don't know if call an ambulance. <laughs> um, the AI...
1: It's called Lovelace. It's called Lovelace. Because...
0: Well, Lovey for short. Or Ada.
1: And we've only, <laughs> how is it possible we've only just realized this live on air? Because we're stupid. Because <laughs> we're idiots. Because
0: we're not as
2: smart as okay. these people we're talking about. So now about. that we've, we've covered that, actually, well, one other thing is that what we just talked about, this wonderful stuff, the analytical engine, Ada Lovelace's program, is basically forgotten. So it never got built, never happened. Okay. And think about the timeline here, because we're talking 1830s. Yeah, of course. All this happening. Yeah. First, like computer as we know it is 1940s. So. That's 110 years. Yeah. The people making those mostly didn't know about Charles <laughs> because it was relatively obscure. Oh, my God. So there's a bit of sort of retcon thing where we kind of go, well, these guys actually were the first. Yeah. Um, but it did, there's not like a direct lineage. If there was, the processor would be called the mill and Ram would be called the, the storeroom. The storeroom, <laughs> yeah. Whatever it was called. So they
1: basically got to the same-ish place without any of that prior knowledge. They were just like, hey... Let's do this again. It's like
2: parallel evolution. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's amazing. Mm. Mathematicians are going to mathematic That's
1: called convergent <laughs> evolution. Oh, is it? Convergent evolution. Thank you, Samantha. Like the octopus eye and our eye. They are not they don't come from the same evolutionary pathway, but they are identical.
0: So, you may fuck off. <laughs> you can't say these things <laughs> when I'm already frazzled from this bullshit <laughs> don't from ruin fucking us. genius over here.
1: Sorry. Oh um, God!
0: <laughs> so you'll
2: notice that, like, we've, we're talking a lot about computers, and there's good reason for that. One, um, coding is not something that we could really talk about in this podcast because it's a very, like, in detail in terms of what it actually is, what it looks like, because it's like a, it's extremely intricate and involved. And it I'm is a as, language. It's a language. I'm essentially, a, it's actually like a thousand languages, okay, that's and helpful. I'm illiterate in all of them. It would be like, like, let's do a, an episode on Latin, sort of thing. Should we um, read
0: about it? No.
2: <laughs> we'll fucking wing this I'll shit. read about it, but not it. Do you, mm. yeah. so, but the other reason why is because um, the two hardware-software, that's a, kind of a bit of a weird distinction uh, because they can't exist without the other. Hardware without software does nothing. And <laughs> software only exists because it controls hardware. Okay. So that's why we're talking about hardware- So why hardware was right hardware time. made
0: in the first place?
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, why did we get here?
2: Fuck you. <laughs> so now that we have discussed- the Analytical Engine. I uh, must I made the explain thing. how a computer works. Why? <laughs> I have to explain the, the basics of how a computer works. Otherwise, the next conversation about programming and the development of computers right. will not make any sense whatsoever. This is, uh, this is like... Sam, I need you to stay with me. I Samuel, I'm doing my best,
0: dude.
1: Before you explain how a computer works...
0: <laughs> Do you have any ice cream?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Did you want to hear a little bit about code breaking?
2: No. Let's do computing. Because (laughs) we need to know how a computer works
1: first. (laughs) Do we?
2: (laughs) Yes. Um, So a computer is a machine which processes information and saves it into memory. Thank you. Just like me. I
1: chose that, that
2: definition carefully. So it doesn't think... So a CPU does not think. We anthropomorphize computers all the time. Mm-hmm. We are, it's thinking about something. Or even if we treat it like a mill, like it's churning through the wall. Like. Oh, look at it go. Oh, yeah. What a good boy. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's circuits. And these circuits are put into a circumstance where an outcome must occur, right? Mm-hmm. Because um, when, you know, when this uh, current is flowing into this particular place, it must flow by the nature of the circuits, to another place. The water pushes the air out of the tube Indeed. and plays the flute. It must. You're putting it into a situation where it must. Mm-hmm. must, like uh, slicing something and you push a knife forward. That's a weird analogy. Let's yeah. move on. Mm. So, <laughs> so CPU does not think. All it does is just
0: Ron's program. Okay. <laughs> Can I ask Short you? Short Circuit, 1995. film Short Circuit?
2: Yeah, nice. CPU does not think. It follows instructions to move things out of memory maybe alter them in the process and then put it into a different memory or the same place.
0: Did you know that the bad guy in the movie Hackers yes. was also in the movie Short Circuit? I Did do. you know that that's... Uh, except he was in brownface face? Brown face in that. face, yes. <laughs> and it's Highly inappropriate. Um, <laughs> and but insane. there is a connection to the movie Hackers, so that's two. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> We're
1: keeping score, <laughs> don't, don't <you> worry.
0: <laughs> So,
2: and all of this process, so CPU just moves memory
1: around. around.
2: That's what it does. Yeah. So Which what do CPU
1: stand for?
2: Central processing unit. Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. Or the mill. <laughs> no. Um, so it's controlled by binary. Now, binary can be confusing because we're sort of picturing oh, do we get a keyboard and do we type 01001 into a machine? Like, no, that's, that's binary is just a representation
1: of logic gates. No. Damn it. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I'm, like, I, I'm like, I know about logic gates.
2: <laughs> it's a representation of whether a transistor is on or it is off.
1: Yes. Oh, I do know something about coding.
2: Is the circuit on or is the circuit off? Okay. Is the signal to a particular place or is it off? Okay. That's all it is. That's ex- that's the extent of it. Yeah. So if a if a processor receives, you know, an 001 and 001 or something, mm-hmm. that's because that sequence of ons are off. Kinda like the music the little music wheel mm-hmm. and the piano roll. It's only
0: on when there's a little
2: thing yeah. sticking out sticking of it. Out. And the rest
0: of the time it is actively off. So that'd be like yeah. one and then a bunch of zeros. Yeah.
2: Okay. And so, you know, like um Early computers had a certain way of doing that. And obviously now we use transistors. Transistors are basically a little tiny, tiny, tiny semiconductor. A semiconductor is where you like, if it gets a control signal and there a little bit of electricity on it, it will then pass electricity through it, okay. and which allows you to turn it on and off. Right, okay. And they're like impossibly like nanoscopically small. And so th-
0: that is now, correct me if I'm wrong, there's like snakes of that all over So that things can be on/off in a complex, essentially like a chord. There are impossible billions to possibly trillions of snakes playing a massive musical chord, or not.
1: Yeah. Okay. So with their hands, how are they playing this?
0: Uh, with the with the octopus eye. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: Um, I'm I'm just gonna I want to like say real quick that if you want to like hear this again from someone explaining it better, um, Crash Course Computer Science on YouTube is a fantastic. Um, who did that? Um, yeah. Carrie Anne Philbin. Carrie Anne Philbin um, is just so good at explaining this, right? Uh, and, it, and it really helped me a great deal. Probably because they understand it. So yeah, um, that is why. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yes, Samantha. Because
1: she breaks it down and she like goes to like levels of abstraction with her. Yeah.
2: So the key thing is understanding. Um, thank you for that. <laughs> understanding like how computers works and how we understand them is 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 layers of abstraction. So oh, I was just saying, in, transistor on, transistor off is the lowest level of abstraction. Okay. The next level up is a logic gate, which Sam mentioned earlier. Okay. A logic gate is just a little circuit of different transistors to force logically something to happen under certain conditions. And those are, so, yes, Samantha?
1: So you can have an AND logic gate, which basically means that, like, if either one of them are on?
2: No, AND is they must, both both of them must be on. So two signals means the transistor will turn on. So if two things are true, the, is this the if and, if and... If not or. Oh, yeah, I forgot. So, this is Boolean logic. Yeah. So this is... Um, I think we pr- talked about this in the, the numbers episode. Yeah, I think we did, yeah. Um, where I think it was George Boole's um, invented way before way before computers um, a what? way of...
0: <laughs>
1: it was, was useful. Because he, um,
2: he was... It was really cool. Like, he, he was developing... It was like math philosophy crossover. And it's basically like, oh, I want to create a system of creating true or false statements using only true and false statements. And you discovered that you can just use and if or not... Mm-mm. So and being both at once equals yes. If means um, one of them, then yes. Um, then not means if the one, the other one isn't, then yes. Et etc et
1: Is if now or?
2: Did
0: I? Oh, you know it's or. Okay, it's so or. I made it? a very much a fool of myself. See,
1: I know about logic gates. I'm proud well of myself. Yeah, so yeah, so
0: the, yeah I, I was the one that brought up if. By the way, That's, that was all me. <laughs> so um, it was only if like
1: is a gate. I'm pretty sure if is a gate.
0: It was only in like early 20th century.
2: It was I think the story goes is like whoever was behind this in one of the teams, computer teams, early computer teams, in a university that they were in a philosophy class and like in in undergrad, and then later on they remembered, oh my god, I learned about Boolean logic in philosophy, I went, oh my god, this is the perfect thing because we need something to that can only do on and off. And construct a complex statement mm-hmm. as a result of that. Mm. So this is kind of how it works. So this is this is I'm going to run through the simplest possible thing. Please. It's like if a computer, <laughs> if a computer, adds two plus three, yeah. together. This is the sequence of steps, roughly. Okay, and this is very roughly. So if I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong at some point. It'll be fun. Um, so it reads first. It, it wakes up. See, the computer might turn on or something, and it would read the first memory. File just mm-hmm. automatically. It just goes by read. It means uh, does those, does those receptors have on and offs from that memory, right? Yeah. So is there current of that kind? And the current will say let's say zero one 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 zero zero one or something like that, and that'll um, mean um, read memory location C for an instruction. Okay. And so it will then load that into its temporary little register. Then that instruction will say take the memory Y and memory Z and add them together two numbers, two okay. and three. And then it takes that to a separate little arithmetic logic unit, which we don't have to get into, but it's basically the way the CPU uh, does arithmetic through like an insanely intricate web of logic gates. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, take the resulting number that the ALU spits out basically through those you know eight channels or whatever um, and return it to memory there. So let's say that's like, that was probably five step categories. It was probably like fifteen steps or something. Each mm. one of those is a clock cycle. So that's when a CPU, you know, you heard, you've heard about clock cycles in a CPU. It's like, oh, that's two gigahertz CPU or something. Mm-hmm. That's yep. saying how many times a CPU can do an action. Mm. And each one of those was an action, like read memory, this, move this from
0: memory spot, do, do an action simultaneously. Is that what you're saying? No, it's just
2: doing them so fast. That's this is how it works. Okay. It's in sequence, and it's just always working on a, on like a like a beat. Right. Um, except obviously. Impossibly fast. So two gigahertz clock speed is like two billion of those a second. Oh, God, <laughs> two billion. I mean, even like the first microprocessor released in nineteen seventy-one, it could do seven hundred and fifty kilohertz, which is seven hundred and fifty thousand cycles a second.
0: Okay. Can I ask you a question? No, actually, you know what? I'm going <laughs> to flat out make a statement. I am no closer to understanding how any of that works than I was before. I have failed. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's just that, it's, you know because you're explaining it step by step, and that's great, and it kind of makes sense in a broader like yeah, I get it. So it's like it's is it detecting that there's a charge, and the charge says over there, it goes over there, and then it takes those steps, right? But then you said that the charge it says zero zero one, zero, and I'm gone, I'm done. How the fuck do you have that in a charge? So okay, so basically when
2: let's say uh, uh you know like one bit, you know we've heard about bits, megabytes, etc. Yep. One bit is just one, zero, one, zero, one, zero. That's a bit. A bit well, of information. Yeah, no, but like, what is that fucking mean? No, no, get, hear me <laughs> out! So then a word of that is like eight. So like eight-bit, eight-bit computers, early ones. That means that every process signal that it, it's getting is eight little okay, wires. But I think you're So taking picture it eight too
1: little far. wires. I think you're ex- like, basically like... What are it, the zeros? So the zeros are off. There is no charge to that I know, transistor. I but then how
0: does it, how does the fucking charge have a lot of numbers in a row. No, no,
1: no, because so if it's if it's like zero, zero, 001100, zero, zero, that's six transistors in a row. The first two are off, the second two are on, the, first, the last two are yeah. off. Think of it like eight
2: wires hitting the side of this particular port or whatever. Okay. And, and So, so sh- those eight wires, each one of them represents a current mm-hmm. which is one of
0: those bits. Some of them are on, some of them are off. Yes. yes. Okay. And um how do you do that uh, without eight wires? <laughs> <laughs> This is what I'm saying. I don't fucking understand.
2: So just to move on from this a little bit so because we don't of, hate. I'm dead. Because I feel like you guys are going to like actually lynch me or something. Yeah. So, so like having like the multiple, um, it's like, you know, 8-bit word that's an instruction. Yeah. The processor knows what to do, quote unquote, because that's, it's been built that way. So that's machine code. Mm-hmm. Um, that's machine language. It's the, the lowest level of abstraction of all programming because yeah. you're telling the processor what to do. Mm-hmm.
0: And it can only do the
2: one thing. It can only do the one thing. Yeah. Um, and the why we have programming languages is to jump up that layer of abstraction so that you don't have to write for 2 plus 2, or two sorry, 2 plus 3, the example I gave. Mm-hmm. You don't have to write 15 steps directly telling the processor what to do when you're busy trying to create a program that's about... Forty-five times bigger than that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you can
1: just go two plus three, please. And please,
2: and it will just do that. So that's the purpose of a programming language,
1: right? Mm-hmm.
0: To give more complex instructions than you have time to produce yeah. yourself for yes.
1: just pushing basically electrical currents around a a, a thing to get a result. Yes, because that's all we're talking about. And this is the problem. This is where I get lost. Is it's like it's just electricity moving around. Yeah, and we've decided to give it the capacity hmm, hey. to interpret <laughs> to to be interpretable or or, or have the capacity yeah. to interpret. Isn't that it kind of just
0: like what life is though? Yeah,
1: yeah it, it's, it's an it, existential nightmare. Yeah. But it's exactly
2: this insane intricacy and of design that allows the machine to uh, do what Babbage wanted a computer to do. Yeah. Which is be able to answer anything to compute anything. Real fast. Real fast. Mm. So, like, in terms of talking about, like, why computers actually became this and why programming actually and coding became a thing, Samantha, you should talk about code breakers and the war. The
1: wars. The war. The wars. So, what's interesting about code breaking is it's actually, it's a, it's kind of tangentially involved with computer design and okay. kind of coding language. Because essentially what the whole point of code breaking was during the war was uh, Bletchley Park in the UK... Uh, they would get trap. They would get like encrypted um, communications from like the enemy, and they would want to um, un- undo that encryption. Break the code. Figure Break out the what code, they were saying. Figure out what they were saying. Yeah. But because so find they, out
0: what the general has for lunch. Pretty generally, much, yeah.
1: So. Basically, Germany was using an Enigma machine, which is such a great name because it's literally an encryptor and it's called the Enigma machine. Like, so ugh, sick. Did so they sick. call it that though? I don't know. Because um, well, they speak for, a different language. Thank you for asking. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I what admire
0: ha- your enthusiasm.
1: So what it did, basically, this machine worked that you would basically give it, um, you could change the kind of the, the cipher every day. So the cipher was just like the unique way that the letters were scrambled.
0: Right. And you could, if, if you had the cipher you could changed, un- you could unscramble it yourself on the so, other end. Yeah,
1: because basically it was a, think of it like a typewriter that when you put the certain cipher in, if you click the letter A, it would print the letter R. Okay, yeah. And if you click, you know, and if you click the letter T, it would put the letter E. Um, and then if you got that message, so that's how you would encrypt a message, is you would type it in the language, in like your language, mm-hmm. it would encrypt it you would then receive that, put those letters into your Enigma machine with the same cipher and it mm. would unscramble it. So if you click the letter R, it would give you the letter A. So it's just
0: like randomizing your thing entirely yes. and then using the same code on the other side. That, see, that makes sense to me.
1: Yes. So that's a kind of programming. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happened during the war was is that they kept changing the cipher every day. And if anyone's seen the film Imitation Game which is the film about Alan Turing, which I'll, I'll talk about him in a second, mm-hmm. that is essentially the fundamental problem they were having with kind of uh, dealing with uh, getting all of this kind of like spy shit working for them, was that they changed the cipher every day. So if you managed to crack it, the next day you just have to start again. Yeah, And because it's a programmed um, machine, the Enigma machine, you gave it a cipher, basically people were trying to use maths to solve the problem because they were like, there has to be a pattern. And because we have it to be is out a machine. Because it, it's a machine right. and it is engaging in pattern because it's the only way it can be unciphered.
2: Oh, but see, the combinations would be immense though, wouldn't they? Yes. And yeah. so this
1: is why they started using... And in fact, there was a Polish mathematician that uses the theory of permutations, which is essentially, um, in my very rough <laughs> <laughs> description of permutations, is essentially like be like running through something in various different ways, like as quickly okay. as possible. Um
0: so I'm picturing like a fucking really bad action film heist where they've got the code locker, like the breaker of the key code on the door yes. and they put it on the top and it just goes like, blah, 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 with all the numbers until it gets one right yes. and it stays in the next one.
1: Pretty much. And that's the, that's the theory that they use. And then the <laughs> I'm English- just going to keep
0: using films to understand. <laughs> no, I'm
1: literally using films to understand yeah. this as well. So the Polish then gave that technology to Britain... And that's where Alan Turing comes in because Alan Turing was one of the head code breakers. He was a br- brilliant mathematician. He yeah. worked for the code British Government Code and Cypher School. Um, and he was integral in actually developing a machine, which was called the Turing machine, um, which then got developed into the universal Turing machine. And it allowed for a computational approach to permutation, like a, like a mechanical approach to permutation, okay. where you would put in the code... And it would run through, basically, and, like, solve it.
0: So you would put in the encrypted text and it would Indeed. decrypt it.
1: Yes. Okay. And, um, again, if you've seen The Imitation Game, you know that the story of Alan Turing is quite tragic. Very tragic. Although yeah. I will say that the, the film is rated to be about 43% accurate, so don't use it as this <laughs> one. How do
2: they arrive at the figure of that? <laughs> oh, like, someone we'll literally went
1: through each of the... Because there's, there's only a limited number of scene, like moments depicted and you could literally look at that and go, is that what happened or is that bullshit? And
2: <laughs> like every minute of the film and then make it a percentage.
1: <laughs> somebody spent their time doing that and I'm accepting their, their data. But <laughs> so, the, I mean, Alan Turing was really like... He has an impact now, but at the time, his legacy was sort of overshadowed by the end of his life, Mm. which was essentially he was uh, arrested for being uh, gay Mm. uh, and rather than going to prison, went through chemical castration and then committed suicide. Theoretically, we're not actually sure how he died. He died of cyanide poisoning and they suspect it was suicide uh, in 1954. But he fundamentally... I see everyone's
0: got their priorities straight.
1: Yes, because it's really important to note that the efforts of Turing and his fellow codebreakers shortened the war by several years without the code breaking that they did, the war would have continued on for, they theorized about five more years. Interesting. So, and his impact on computer science, obviously after the fact is profound. By by
0: incident, right? I mean, just like...
1: Yeah, because the technology he developed, which... um, It's called like
0: the
2: the bomb, wasn't it?
1: So the bomb was the first one that he made and then he made the Turing machine and then he made the um, universal Turing machine. These were all the things that he developed during that time. The bomb was the first one; it wasn't as good, um, and then he developed later.
2: Yeah, because I, I understood. So the bomb was not a computer, was it? It was like a, it was like an electromechanical yes, calculator,
0: exactly. A very complex one. So, like, okay. Um, so these machines, right? We know they're not alive. We know. that. Yeah. <laughs> we, we all we all we know they're not living, breathing things, <laughs> but they've been created. <laughs> because they can think better
1: they can, No, it's more that they can think faster No,
0: but it's, they can think about more things cons- Like at the same time Like yes. so I mean, if, it, yeah. if it's trying to solve Mechanically solve A fucking, like the, and decode The, the freaking Nazi code or whatever mm. Like A human could possibly do that But the sheer number of things they'd have to keep In their head at the same time is just too much So it's just like I of like it's the an, think allegory kind of works. Yeah, but you know what I mean.
1: I think what you were get getting at with the the machine thing is it's like it's not necessarily doing several things at once. It's more that it's doing each step in sequence really quickly that mm-hmm. it seems like it's doing so many things at once. So like the the whole technology that of the encryptor was it was dealing with one thing at one letter at a time, like beginning of the sentence at the end of the sentence. But it was able to process it at, so fast that it seemed like it was doing it. Like at live. the same time,
0: but this is what I'm saying is that it's like it's smarter than us already. Yeah, but you
1: know, okay. So I love that though because it's they, because they don't think.
2: It's it's not that like they think better. It's more just like we're watching like a waterfall. Like the, I'm picturing the big like the um, Turing's machine, like the big circles mm. and stuff. This like waterfall of the the effects of logic on the universe, mm. <laughs> essentially, just like the laws of the reality of our universe. I uh, don't even see the code. Yeah, <laughs> I just see blonde. I'm literally head, just creating redhead. the outcome of. Yeah, the the number you want. Like, That's fucking yeah. chaos,
1: dude. So the universal Turing machine um, is considered to be the origin of the idea of stored pro, uh, of stored program computing, where they you can kind of keep the processing in the machine. Okay. Um, and the ACE, which is the Automatic Computing Machine, uh, anticipated the notions of microprogramming and processing. Um, and it's actually part of the development of but that But how
0: story. do you do that? I mean, yeah. like, okay, so you've got this machine, but in the back of your head, you're like, I can see where this is going.
1: <laughs> well, I think the thing is, right. a different
0: brain to us. I think. But I yeah. also
1: think that it's, it's a fascinating thing because like you've already mentioned with the Babbage thing, it's like they're not thinking of them as computers as we're thinking of them. They're thinking... They're, they're, they're completely viewing them as a different entity. And I think that Babbage machine is so interesting because it, it's based off a of loom, which has not got anything to do with computers. But it's the yeah. same idea. And I think it's difficult to sort of be in the head of somebody who invented a computer because we know what computers are.
0: Yeah. Well, it turns out, no, actually, no, no. <laughs> I, I fucking don't.
1: But you, you, you have one right next to you. I
0: have never felt less qualified... <laughs> To do anything except write songs with my friends <laughs> than ever
2: before in my life. So, um, <laughs> returning to the development of programming specifically. Very well. Um, in the 1940s and 50s. So, the 1940s, you have um, both sides of the war building these technologies for this reason. Mm. So, the first um, proper kind of computer as we know it, which was programmable and a digital computer, um, was the Z- the. Z3, I almost said Z3, but I will not let the Americans claim my Fugger. language uh, The Z3, which was uh, the German one Right So this was built in 1941 by Konrad Zuse, um, And funded by the German Nazi military um, I see uh, Which we can say to make us feel more comfortable Never actually used this device uh, for some reason Because it was apparently pretty good um, I mean, arguably
0: they were a bunch of idiots, weren't they? Fucking morons
2: Oh, thank goodness for that um, and you've also got like um, two really notable ones in computer history. So one is the Harvard Mark I um, in 1944. Um, now this was an electromechanical computer um, that was built for, as part of the war effort. So really similar things like calculating, like, you know, ballistics and stuff like that. Big data mm-hmm. for its time. And electromechanical means... So I explained transistors earlier, just get that the hell out of your head. Already gone. So every single one of those on and offs is like a relay switch, like a a
0: mechanical moving part. We
1: should bring that back, that's dope. Here's more. It was
0: so slow. (laughs) Not just because it's dope, but because I can see it happen and therefore understand. (laughs) (laughs) There's still like a gazillion of them, but that was the problem because they break all the time. Yeah. Because it's
2: mechanical. Um, it was also fed it's by a small
0: price to pay and, okay. for knowing
2: what's happening. <laughs> yeah, well, talk talk about knowing what's happening. Like what fucking gets me about these early computers is I'll keep wanting to picture a screen, but there isn't one. There isn't a screen. Okay, <laughs> it prints out stuff at the other end or displays it using lights. That's what it does. You, you you actually control it. And for the Harvard Mark One, it was controlled not by punch cards but punch tape. Do you, you manually
0: do? roll it as well? Yeah. Uh, no, sorry. Would it simultaneously that would be play be like fun. honky-tonk <laughs> fucking piano? <laughs> yes, that would be a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's also a piano roll. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's going to be an air right tonight. <laughs> 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 you program in.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was this oh, physical fuck. tape. And that when they'd find errors, because there's just holes in the tape, right? Just the perforated tape. They'd find errors. They're just like sticky tapes and paper on it of <laughs> <laughs> like punching your mum with a pen yeah. So the Harvard Mark II actually was where you which run the same system This is the wild west of
0: programming
2: <laughs> and, like, <laughs> Was um, the whole bug story that you might be familiar with So you know the story of like where the idea of a computer bug Like a software bug Problem with the computer You're going to enlighten me dude, I have no idea So yeah, um, the, the, the story goes that they uh, were looking for a problem with the Harvard Mark II um and for like a long time and it was spitting out errors and they were freaking out what could it be and they eventually find that there was a moth in the system like on the tape an actual moth there was an actual moth and they actually it's there's a photo of their notes where they say where they that they found it mm-hmm. and they actually like s- sticky taped it in
0: there. <laughs> <laughs> sticky taped the moth
2: yes yeah, so the moth's oh, like amazing. in amazing yeah
1: can i just intersect on this story cuz it's may. really really interesting um, so one of the people on that team was Grace Mary Hopper, who was responsible for um, eventually she so she tells this story very fondly actually as well that they, they still have I think it's actually in the Naval Museum, you can go and look at this, where they've taped the moth,
2: the moth yeah. To mm. to the
1: note saying the actual the first actual case of bug being found. But she was responsible for creating COBOL which is the first complex computer language, which allows yes. people to learn to code.
2: Yeah, now, like, the reason why she did that was because these machines, like, when we'd say program them, those dots in the tape, it's all still direct language. You're literally the zero ones that we were talking about mm-hmm. to tell the processor to do an individual task. And they'd have to manually write that by hand and then transcribe it onto a tape. And then feed it to the machine. And then feed it to a machine to find that it <laughs> didn't work. It's <laughs> a
1: miracle <laughs> that this no. didn't just honestly st- stop being done because it sounds like a lot of work. <sighs> so the thing
2: the thing that's worth noting about the bug story is people say that's the origin of the bug thing, but it's kind of not. In the actual notes, as you read, it says it's the first actual case of a bug being found. Um, so it was funny to them at the time because bugs were used in technology design for some reason as to signify a problem for like 100 years earlier A than bug, that. yeah, okay. And we still don't know why.
1: Maybe it comes from a loom.
2: But it is still a pretty funny story. Um, so at, like in this era of computers programming something is impossibly laborious. Like thinking about it makes me feel sick. Mm-hmm. And so um Oh no, um, I'm with you. Great <laughs> <laughs> Grace Hopper was one of the ones thinking about um surely what there's if, a, better way. Surely <laughs> is a better way of doing this. Yeah. Um so in like to to give like a uh, demonstration of this, the ENIAC, which was another US computer in the forties that was another army based one. Um was it took like so long to to program it. Um, Like it was was all done by switchboard. So it could take weeks. So like switchboard, so like if this plug is on here, that will mean at that point in the CPU cycle, that first bit of that word will be a one. Operator, get me Sharon. <laughs> Operator, get me death. Please kill me. Um. So it's
0: like the unpluggy wall bits. And I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah, okay. I'm with get, you. Yeah.
1: I'm certain that there were so many people going like, we have to figure this out because like it becomes almost useless if it's going to take you a week to set up a, a program that is literally... You just, might as
0: well just run over there and tell them. Yeah,
1: you might as well just <laughs> ask. You know what I mean? Just like call them up. You
2: <laughs> you know, that's what I keep thinking. Like surely... Just do it by hand. Like, <laughs> Sure. I mean, this they, they literally—they
1: had people like manually calculating things again, hidden figures. Like mm-hmm. people's job was this, so like just ask them to do it.
2: Yeah. So like um, Grace Hopper was one of these people, um, and then there was also um, a team at IBM um, afterwards as well who worked on it. Um, John Backus was the leader of that. Um, so the idea is is that um, you could write at a higher level of abstraction. So. Um, they already had something called assembly language which was essentially instead of writing in literal zeros and ones you could write add I'm um, sorry shift memory this or something like that mm-hmm. you still have to manually transcribe it to, to binary right. so what these programmers were after, after out weeks and weeks of programming something by hand um, is they wanted a program which would, could uh, interpret what they give them and turn it into machine code in other words, take a programming language that's human readable mm-hmm. and translate it
0: into machine code. 001, so that We don't have to fucking do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah.
2: I love that there was a quote from John Backus or something. I don't I think I have the exact quote, but he basically said it was like creative procrastination. Like it was just lazy.
1: Productive procrastination, I'll say. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. You invented, that's called a compiler, by the way, the program that does that. So yeah. a program that does it, it compiles programming code. And this is, what, this is what, see why I was saying code programming not exactly the same? Yeah. So you can program machine code and you can have like a code which is like, you know, I don't know, Python or something. All I and can it compiles
0: see, into machine code. Because the thing is, because of the complexity of the machine code that you're talking about, all it does is it creates the image for me of like a really intelligent alien species and, you know, us dumb humans trying to communicate with like me, me meet like fire. And then the, th- that is able to be translated because it's so simple to the complex aliens who then apologize, realize they made a huge mistake and then leave. <laughs> oh um,
2: um, yes, yeah, so it's- Fuck so off. One of the first successful compilers was Fortran. Yes. Fortran and IBM's Fortran. And that's because, uh, it's, by the way, it means f- uh, formula translator. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Terrible Fortran. name. Fortran. Um, the reason why it was successful is some other attempts at compilers um, were slow. So it's basically way easier to program, but ran like at half the speed. So like customers didn't want it. Remembering this is IBM, inter- uh, International Business Machines.
1: So it was like a for-profit yeah. enterprise? Yes.
2: And this isn't like the, the IBM we're dealing about, like they're making things to calculate profit and expenses and stuff, not um, ballistics for the government.
1: Oh, so they were for like accounting and like...
2: Yeah, they oh, meant business. Okay. Although IBM also supplied stuff to the Nazis, but we're not going to talk about that. Yeah. Um, so, Fortran was successful because it was actually faster than code written in assembly language. So, they actually managed it a way of, make of making it easier to program and faster for the computer to process. Right. Which is pretty amazing when you think about that. Like, so, this is when it's getting to the point where programming recognizably exists and coding recognizably it's exists. It's refined to the
0: point where here's your language... You don't have to deal with the computer language anymore. Just learn this language.
2: Yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, it's not just about making things easier, though, because it meant that the same code could work anywhere. Because as long as the compiler was written for the particular chip, like the particular computer, mm-hmm. um, I shouldn't say chip in this era, <laughs> like the particular processor. Yeah. Um, that software that written in uh, Fortran sort of code. In human voice. Yeah. Yeah would actually work. So suddenly software is portable because previous to that, for every single individual computer mainframe would be different. You'd have to write different code for it, different assembly.
0: Right. Darmok Again with the nightmare. and
2: July. <laughs> pain, At Pain and So what that means is not just like you can, oh, you can, wow, that works anywhere. But it means people can actually collaborate on code across distances to, with the aim of making it work for all of them which is the, basically the beginning of, like, computer... Communism, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, is that the beginning of, like, open Computing. source stuff.
2: Kind of, in a way. It's kind of like the roots of the culture. So, like, and you're talking about that trajectory from the 50s. By the 70s, you've basically got a computer and programming community that's global. Right. I want to detour from this, though, because I've been talking for ages, and Samantha... I want you to talk about something.
1: Okay, what is it? I'm
2: pointing at Samantha right now. Yeah. Do you have any ice cream? <laughs> Do you have any ice cream? Because the in the in with the ENIAC computer, yeah. that immense thing with all the plug boards, yeah. the designers who were all men did not use it. The programmers and the operators of that machine were all women. Yes. Um, and that was actually the case with... Basically, <laughs> everywhere. It's, it's the like same thing. It's like basically were they women. were
1: the typist of, of the computer world. Yes. Essentially. Um, so, I, I don't have any detail about like specifically like those women, but women have been intricately involved within computer programming, computer development since literally Babish. Like mm. as we already mentioned, Ada Lovelace yeah. directly involved in the development of the idea of programming as a thing. And then we obviously have Grace Mary Hopper, who was really, really integral for this really, transition. Really sick
0: of fucking doing the manual. Yeah,
1: like honestly, and like women are considered to have more patience, which is why they were actually, um, like they they were. I, do I? Yeah, here we go. Uh, women are often stereotyped as being good candidates for programming because it requires lots of patience, persistence, and a capacity for detail. And those are traits that many girls have. Oh, and is
0: that what that was their view at the time? That was their yeah. view at the time. So,
1: like, women, so like, that's why I make the joke of like they were the typewriters because, like, they're the ones that just like learn how to do the nitty gritty stuff. They're the sewers, they're the people mm-hmm. who do the details oriented work. But they're also directly involved in not just the running of these machines, but the actual intellectual development of them. So, you've got um, like Herthia Arrington, which in this book I've got women in science. So it's a beautiful kids' book. But it's got all of these amazing pioneers. Um and one of them was where is her? Sorry, give me two seconds. What is she? Um When is she? She was um integral for the development of electric arcs and electrical currents, which are so important for the transition from kind of like these mechanical
2: She invented lightning. Is
0: that what you're saying? Well
1: she (laughs) helped develop a better understanding of lightning. Here we go. She She's invented a, it. She was an engineer, mathematician, and inventor.
0: Her name was?
1: Um, Hertha I wanna say Arton. Ayrton. Ayrton. A Y R T O N. Um. And she she was doing all of this in the late so like in the late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds. Okay. And then you have Um Hedy Lamarr. Did you know about Hedy Lamarr I know
0: about Hedy Lamarr. Have actually. you seen
1: pictures of her? So fine. She's it? gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> so Heather Lamar is a well-known film actress, yes, famous film She's stunning, incredible. She
0: finds it. How old it.
1: She's also a secret inventor,
0: yes. and
1: she had a workshop in her house where she tinkered and invented. And what she did was essentially the- every
0: time you say inventor, I think of the machine that Belle's dad made in Beauty and the Beast every single time I see the axe dropping down <laughs> every single fucking time. Well, anyway, continue, continue
1: thinking that because that's. So, the National Inventors Council asked civilians to submit ideas of, like, how do we solve problems? Like, and it was this, like, just like uh, awareness campaign. So, Helene Ma identified a problem, which was essentially that the US Navy radio guided torpedoes could be jammed really easily, which meant that they could be put off course really easily. Mm-hmm. And so, she's like, I'm gonna fix that problem. Her and another uh, person, George Antheil, who was an avant garde composer, so a musician. Realized that a radio signal could change frequencies using the same technology that a piano player used to change notes.
0: Fingers? Hammers?
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is just two
0: stupidest suggestions. I love the idea of just other people in the room. What about fingers? (laughs) Heading? What about hammers, dude?
1: I think Hammers is actually correct. Is it really? Uh, yeah. Okay, so go. what they did is they developed Geet! they developed something called the frequency frequency hopping spread spectrum, F H S S, <laughs> which she patented in nineteen forty two. And this allowed this allows for frequencies to be constantly shifting so that they can't be jammed. Right. Um but the US military didn't use it at the time in the in the in the in the mid forties. They didn't think it was useful. It was like heady,
0: you were being hysterical.
1: Um, and then the Cuban Missile Crisis happened okay. in '62, and they were like, "You know, what would be really, really helpful for us?"
0: And a Hollywood actress?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, the FHSS, the mm-hmm. Frequency Hopping spectru- uh, Spread Spectrum, and so they used it for torpedoes mm-hmm. to make sure that they didn't get jammed. But they also really they used it for communication because it was it's useful as a technology um, to communicate between multiple electronic devices. So it's actually the base technology we use every day because we use it for GPS, we use it for Wi-Fi, and we use it for Bluetooth. Without that Fuck yeah. development of Hedy Lamar. Um, we wouldn't have. Well, I mean, probably eventually they would have developed it, but it is directly related to GPS, Wi Fi, Wi Fi, everything we use every day.
0: Hammers, fucking crap. hammers and fingers, hammers dude. Hammers and all fingers. But I think inside each Wi Fi router is a little piano. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah there to is
0: pianola. a little
2: man. But
1: I think it's. I don't think don't it's. Don't, 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 it's really important to highlight all of these incredible women who were involved in it because there were also like Bletchley Park and the code Breakers. There was heaps of women on that team too. Mm-hmm. Um, because they, they have been involved in all stages of computing from funding it to designing it to programming it. Um, and they have, have actually been more useful in the actual running of these machines early on as well.
2: Yeah, and like, so uh, I love this sort of like the flip thing of there of like they were more competent to do the, that task.
1: Well, they were viewed to be more competent. What I'm
2: saying is because they were clearly brilliant um, because they did all these things. Um, but also like they were chosen for that because it was menial work. That's why like the computers, as in human computers, were women. Like, as as again, I'm in the film Hidden Figures. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, so like these programmers were, it was not menial work. But that's actually got a really cool little uh, segue here because um, the word hacker, the word hacker Mm -hmm. is not what you might imagine it to be. Okay. So the word hacker to most people to means hack in, hack in the film, hackers. I'm, I'm, in. In.
0: I'm gonna make an animated skull smiley face appear on your computer screen. Ha, take, <laughs> take that, it's piracy, yeah. like
2: criminal use of computers. But, like, yeah. um, the origin of the word is actually a positive one for basically programmers and coders, coders. So, it's it's like it, it's actually a positive word and it actually still is. Um, <laughs> it's a bit of a shibboleth,
1: is it like cracking the code? What does no, it well, mean?
2: Okay, yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm bloody getting <laughs> I'm, I'm there, bloody... all right? So there's kind of two parts of the word. So one is the kind of more obvious one because there's hackers in to chop something. Yeah. So you're cracking something open. Yeah. And there's a bit of a sort of possible like folk etymology here because um, computer students at MIT would be so keen to use the computer mainframes in the 50s that they would literally break into the rooms, like physically break into them. Yeah. Um, using
0: like lock picks and that's, shit. That's bullshit. Uh, and to I mean, whether creative. it happened or not, that's not the, that's not why they named it that.
2: Yeah, so to open stuff, basically. Mm-hmm. The other one is like hack is also an old-fashioned noun to mean someone who does menial work, like okay. a writing hack, like a. Okay. Um, oh, you're
0: you're a hack. You're a hack. Yeah, yeah. Except that's
2: often when you say you're a hack, that's sort it's of like pejorative. insult yeah. yeah. But it could be. So it's a thing that means both be cleverly. Break, break something or create something. But also
0: do it in a menial way. Though. But also
2: it's incredibly tedious. And boring, so yeah. you're sitting there, oh, you're one of the hacks, one of the coding hacks today, like writing the code in assembly for that's the fun. mainframe. I
1: feel like that's, that's like, fun. it's almost like, like punishment, that. right? It's just like, oh, you have to go be a hack today because... Yeah, but we're
0: going to hack the planet. We're going to fucking, we're going to yeah. go into phone booths and connect up our fucking
2: <laughs> our laptops. laptops. A perhaps, which definitely works, <laughs> a perhaps <laughs> historical term for a criminal hacker. Uh, is cracker uh, but that was oh not my god his, i don't think that's very much anymore um, but of course like so the context of that is like you know think about the 80s when the word hacker starts to mean criminal hacker yeah um because it's like uh computer programmers are scary in this time period it's like because it's scary it's like a moral panic thing so the, the press sort of created this word to mean something different to what it
0: used to mean to most people Oh right this is the There's Satanists behind the dark magic machines
2: Yeah pretty much Um, And like you know like If you guys could see the future we live in now Like you would be very afraid Um. Even more terrified yeah So there was this sort of The hacker word was also associated with like a hacker culture That developed you know I said like the community that
0: developed Once code started being a thing
1: Do you mean like Neo in the Matrix
0: No more like Angelina Jolie in the film (laughs) Hackers (laughs) (laughs) You're both
2: correct-ish. So, it's a sort of culture and ethic um, through the 50s and 70s especially. And it was like, there was a culture of collaboration and transparency. um, And this idea that computing was its own good. And when I say this, it's because people wrote this stuff down and said, this is the hacker ethic. So like, this okay. is, a, it was a thing. The pirate, the pirate, code, the pirate yeah. code. And what's really funny about that is that it's essentially academic. Like, it doesn't sound familiar. It's like, it's transparent, it's collaborative. It has to be pass always, review. Um, yeah, it's peer review. It's literally yeah. peer review is what open source code is. So right. like, and, and collaboration across space and time No, sorry, just space no
0: time. <laughs> well, I mean, time at the regular speed of time <laughs> That would have sped things up if they did it across time that would be, I mean, that's how Babbage, probably, what were you thinking? That's how Babbage got his ideas Someone just popped their head through a portal and just was like I'm going to try and explain code to you in like 30 seconds Anyone yeah. got the first part?
2: So, people don't like to th- or sometimes don't like to think about it being from academia because, for, especially from the late 70s onwards, and you know, the hacker culture it becomes kind of cool. Like, hacks like, hackers like Steve Wozniak with Apple and stuff, like, and the next generation of computer revolution that happens, mm-hmm. they don't like to think of them as being academic because they weren't. Like, Bill Gates and Steve Jobs were both uni dropouts um, that started businesses. And so, like, it's kind of weird to think of this, but in the 50s to 70s, basically all computer programming was done either at universities or at research institutes. that or were like, military. Yeah, well, research institutes, either private or military, mm-hmm. um, that usually operated a lot like academia as well.
1: And
0: there were people who went in and out of
2: academias between institutes. So they have but the same values. Definitely the same not done order. for
0: human, like regular human consumption kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Well, because now there's like hacking competitions and things like like nowadays. Yeah. You like you can do it as like a hobby.
2: Right. Yeah, and it's like so. Th- there's an- there's another side to this as well because I want to talk about free and open source. Of course you do. Of course I do because I'm a partisan in this conflict. <laughs> um, so, uh, free and open source software um, is not probably commonly known as a concept, um, but most people would have heard of Linux as sort of a free operating system that you can install on your computer. Mm-hmm. So, that's an example of something that's free and open source. Given it, so, I think it's, um, it's,
1: it's in direct opposition to proprietary software like yes. Microsoft, like Apple.
2: Yes. So, like, when I'm, we are talking about Fortran and shit, that is not uh, proprietary. That concept doesn't exist yet. No one had actually thought to, like,
0: commercialize... The because they were software. all too busy being fucking geniuses and creating something amazing, and like, yeah, yeah. for yeah. somebody race. to go like, "What if dollars were involved?" Yeah. <laughs> and
2: also, it was mostly public. It was mostly government. It was mostly government or military. Yeah. So, um, Wait, the government or military is for the public. Be <laughs> Stop being funny at once. Um, <laughs> so there's this kind of uh, the story of free and open source software and the basically modern sort of like semi anarchic coding culture Mm -hmm. on the internet um, starts with Unix. Unix? Unix.
1: U-N-I-X?
2: U-N-I-X. Okay. Um, Unix was an operating system. So operating systems being like, you know, Windows, Apple, the stuff that runs the computer, the software that runs the computer. Okay. That tells the processor what to do. Um, Right? So, and it's fundamentally a program. So this came out of Bell Labs and they were in this, uh, Bell Labs were in this, in the, in the a late 60s in this program to create an amazing new operating system called Multics. And it had the revolutionary idea of an operating system that could run two programs at the same time.
1: Good Look, Lord. What do you oh mean by God. that?
2: So... Nowadays, a computer does a gazillion. so forget about the processor and stuff What we were talking about earlier. We're mm. dealing with a higher level abstraction here. Running programs like iTunes, like Word.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Is, is yeah. it like having a PDF and Word open at the same time? Yeah,
2: running two programs at the oh same my time. God, They're revolution. doing two different things. that both telling the processor stuff to do at the same time.
0: Um, Can it boot up? And shut down at the same
2: time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm just here to fucking mix it up, baby. That's my job. You broke the (laughs) mainframe. I'm in. (laughs) God. (laughs) So
2: yeah, at the so at the time, these these big old chunky boys, the computers, they couldn't do they couldn't do shit. So they could only run one program at a time. You give it a task, it does the task. Cheers. Um, so what they, they needed complex software to be able to think about how to do that. The project completely failed. So Multics completely kind of failed. They tried for years afterwards, but it didn't work. Bell Labs were like, we're out. We're dumping it. Um, and they walked away. And the two guys who were involved in that were named, um, what it, Ken Thompson and Dennis Ritchie at Bell Labs. And they were real depressed about it. They really wanted it to work. Um, so they convinced Bell to uh, let them work on it in with spare bits, basically. Like, mm-hmm. don't spend any money on it. Just give us stuff. And they're like, okay, well, there's this old shit computer that no one's using down in the basement. You can use that one. Go for your heart's content. <laughs> so they were like, um, Thompson had written this um, game, kind of like, remember it was space War, space War from the video games episode we talked about in yeah. the early ones? Um, it was similar to how it was called Space Travel and like you explored the solar system. Um, and it was like, I really, really want to get this. <laughs> he really, really wanted to get this to work on this machine, um, and so they wrote everything they were trying to do at Multics by themselves uh, in for fun in the basement <laughs> for for
0: shits and gigs.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is actually really significant. This sounds really obscure and weird, but this is basically the beginning of modern operating systems and software as we know it. So it's what got a, it has a file directory. It runs multiple programs at once. There are separate systems of the computer doing different stuff. It's got a you know outer shell that runs programs and a kernel bit that runs the processor.
0: Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Right. But did stuff. It, did it? Did it run the game? Um, and because <laughs> did they succeed, could they play the it fucking... It ran
2: the game. Fuck yeah! All right. So thanks today, for listening, everybody. It's been <laughs> um, Mac operating systems, Linux operating systems, Android operating systems are all Unix-based. They all have can trace a trajectory to these two dudes writing this. Oh, my God. Um, and in fact, oh my God. because Unix was so popular through the 70s and 80s, and that's when the internet was being developed as computers and mainframes were being connected together across universities, um, the internet was basically written in, like, it ran using Unix and it still kind of does. It, it runs essentially, most of the servers run Linux, which is, and the, the, uh, um, the, the bones of it are basically
0: Unix-based. Two human basement dweebs. <laughs> <laughs> Who are scientists, we should probably add. In- but, uh, invented the universe. <laughs> okay, so a weird thing happens with Unix.
1: For <laughs> for, for fun. fun. Oh. Um, so as this
2: developed, they, they realized, and Bell realized, they were onto something. So um, that by the third or so version, by the early '70s, they wrote it in a new programming language, which they also invented, called C. Um, C is the is a root programming language that's used prolifically today, like C plus plus. Yes. That pretty sure most browsers are written in. Yes. Um, and the reason why they wrote it in a programming language is because they wanted the operating system to be portable, to be able to move from computer to computer. Okay. Yeah, and so. This became so popular collaborating between different institutions that the people at these institutions, these hackers everywhere, started sending, like they would collaborate, essentially. They would send back ways of making it better. And it was this kind of conversation. While IBM had a very different approach, they were like selling a product and then you were getting support for a product. Mm-hmm. This one was like we're working together to hack together a um, operating system that we all wanted to work. Yeah, like,
1: like people debugging problems and like and like ma- adding functions. Yeah. And, so, wow! As,
2: so this kind of like this weird uh, sort of sociopolitical vibe happens with this. They kind of sort of took on this anti-corporate edge, this anti-authoritarian edge. Um, they even printed actual license plates which were "Live Free or Die" eunuchs, <laughs> playing off the New Hampshire ones. Amazing! Um, so, and this was this was only happen. This is actually really lucky that this happened because it only happened because. Um, AT&T at the time had like a legal thing where they couldn't, weren't allowed to commercialize something legally that wasn't to do with telegraphs or, or telephone lines.
0: Oh my god! Because and then, of the era. Because, because of the era. Had, oh my
2: god! They did because AT&T wasn't a computer company or networking company. There oh, it was yeah. a phone company.
1: They dealt in telegrams Hence, and, yeah. telephone Labs calls. And, and
0: Graham calls. And and yeah, but fucking Michelin can fucking rate restaurants, so fucking what do you want? We can we can do more than one thing.
2: <laughs> so then they made an enormous <laughs> like mistake. Like
1: our computers can now. <laughs> yes,
0: thanks to <laughs> Unix. <laughs>
2: yeah. So AT&T then made an enormous mistake in nineteen eighty four when that was lifted, uh, and they chose to commercialise Unix. So they chose to say, okay, it's a license now, you have to pay for it. And it was ludicrously expensive. Like I think it was for like one system, it was like in the, I think at the late 80s price tag, $100,000 one hundred thousand dollars mm. in
0: '80s money, oh. US. <laughs> Holy Suck a fuck! Dick.
1: No Somebody way. go
0: ahead. Someone do that calculation. I'm not doing it. Oh, so
1: see if I can find a conversion, you can
2: I the conversion of uh, to US failed. dollars.
0: Oh really?
1: Are you really? Look,
2: Please try again. I tried to find some like online converter, but I mean, like, how what? is it? What's the methodology of that? US yeah. dollars in 1988 uh, let's say '88. F- yeah, it's an estimation, but so basically, this hacker community we talked about, the computer community at the time, they rebelled. Um, they essentially were finding every way they could to create Unix without using it. Yeah. So um, University, of University of California, Berkeley. Okay. Uh, don't know why that was so hard to say. Um, they already had an adapted version of Unix that they essentially cheekily rewrote so it didn't have any proprietary code in it anymore. Nice. And that's called BSD or Berkeley Software D- Distribution, which also was a whole chain of operating systems that um, that influenced Apple and stuff. Anyway, um, I, I, I digress. Um, and then also a, a more interesting development, where developers like coders like um, Richard Stallman um, set off to on a project, collaborative project, to create a new version of Unix from the ground up, oh, <laughs> a Unix-based system Jesus. from zero, um, called GNU.
1: Oh, you used GNU.
2: It is okay, so, <laughs> okay. GNU uh, is the name of the operating system. Okay. Um, it's named after the Wildebeest, which is also known as GNU, spelled mm-hmm. G-N-U. However, yes. Richard Stallman and everyone since has named the operating system GNU. So that's its name. I'm pissed off. I'm angry. Officially, I'm it be- stands. I feel
0: betrayed, bewildered. Officially. Like of a Wildebeest. Yeah. Bewildered. Which is similar, of course, to the new. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> it
2: stands for... GNU is not Linux. Like GNU is not Linux is what it canonically stands. That's amazing. Oh, sorry, uh, GNU is not Unix. Yeah, that makes yeah. no sense what I just said. Um, GNU is not Unix. GNU is not Unix. Yeah. Um, so like it was uh, part of what Storman founded, which was the Free Software Foundation. Now, the Free Software Foundation is meant to promote not free as in um, no dollars, free as in Freedom. land of the free, yeah, as in you can do whatever you want to it. You can read the code. You can adapt the code. You can distribute the code. Under a new thing, under a general public license, the the GNU general public license, which is used for a whole bunch of software now.
0: Wow.
1: I have the inflation. Okay, hit me. So, according to this very reputable website, which I will not name, um, $100,000 in 1988 is worth... It says $250,000 today. But that doesn't seem right to me. That's...
2: A quarter of a million dollars. Yeah, but
1: that's only an in inflation US of like for
2: an operating system.
1: <laughs> so this is based it on an average inflation rate of two point seven percent per year, with a cumulative price increase of one hundred and fifty. So we, we could say
0: we could say conservatively, it was a quarter of a million dollars. Yeah, conservatively um, for an operating system. So yeah, like, um, Richard Stallman by the way, that's a big mistake. That's a big mistake that they made
2: there. Um, to add to this sort of tech anarchist sort of image Richard Stallman it was always like this like sort of long-haired hippie type mm-hmm. um so like it's that it sort of became the image of that part of era of the movement as well um an important development that happens after that is that the GNU operating system was not finished in 1991 and a programmer student at the University of Helsinki by the name of Linus Torvalds I was
1: wondering when the fuck um, you were going to bring him up Yeah
2: we wanted to finish the GNU operating system. The thing that was missing is the GNU had all of this software to run programs and stuff and do lots of things, but it didn't have the kernel part. And I mentioned the kernel is the bit that actually runs the processor. It's the sort of core of the hence mm. kernel um, of the system. The big cheese. The big cheese. The head honcho. So he was like, "I want to. I will build a kernel for it." Um, easy,
1: easy peasy. Which
2: is Unix based and free, basically Let me free as in open like source. Um, and it's really cool historically this moment because he introduced this. Um, fresh code on like a news group message. Um, which was really just nondescript and just uneventful, just uh, like just something I've been working on, sort of thing. Like n- no big deal. It's not meant to be a big, it's not meant to be a big GNU sort of project. Um, and then people really, really liked it. He wanted to call it FreeX because it was a free Unix, but his friend who knew that was a shit name instead called it Linux, which was
0: the Linus's Unix. Oh yeah, cool. Um, yeah. So it's like not meant to be a big project. FreeX, cool idea, man. Have you considered Linux instead, you <laughs> asshole?
2: <laughs> Linux. Is is basically now the kernel that runs um, supercomputers. It runs internet servers. Essentially, the internet runs on it. Android is explicitly, I think, a, U- a Linux-based
0: one. Yes, and again, I think this is just a dude basically going like, oh, "I could add this to this." Originally, yes.
1: And he's he he didn't want to be like a f- f- well-known famous man, right? Like he's he's no, no, like no, he's like a well, super
2: awkward guy. He's like
1: a well-known recluse. <laughs> yes, despite um, having one of the biggest programs.
2: But there's further irony to that because, yes, he made it initially by himself, but it immediately became a collaborative project because that was the whole idea. It was free software. He was a student. He was a hacker. That's what they did. They worked together on stuff. Um, And it became, by the end of the 90s, an enormous project coordinated online. Um, He actually then developed arguably almost an equally important invention, which was Git, as in GitHub. Okay. Um, I've forgotten what Git stands for, which makes me feel is bad. It graphics? No. Oh no, that's right. Git stands for basically nothing because it was a play on words, and he was just being silly. Anyway, so GitHub is essentially a way of tracking versions of code online in a community. So that's what GitHub is. You can, and it's a basically a thing that enables really efficient collaboration um, between coders. Yeah. Yeah. Across the world. And wow. And like today, it's owned by Microsoft. It's a huge thing, but the actual format of it, Git, was invented by Torvalds. Um, and there's a certain irony because he was this—he's this recluse guy who developed one of the most, like, people-centric technology movements <laughs> ever to occur. <laughs> like, literally,
0: someone who wants to be alone connecting literally every human on the planet. Yeah,
2: exactly, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> fundamental to the internet.
0: <laughs> I've made a huge mistake.
1: Jeez Louise. Yes. So oh like, God. there's this sort of like—I oh love God. this
2: story because it's about like um, this really tech anarchist view of technology it's very anti-corporate and it's even though like well, you know obviously <laughs> lots of c- contemporary programmers work in jobs in private sector stuff for proprietary code and of course mm. but if you if you look at the online communities and stuff there's this strain of collaboration this um then this amazing sort of uh, remnant of the old hack- hacker ethic that came from unix building communities in the 70s and and you see that in free, free and open source software
0: as well. It's
2: so always really exciting. What
0: excites me about this is that, Ed, like, every single step of the way here, from like the the, the birth of this steam machine that never was made, that <laughs> lived in someone's head with his his friend, <laughs> uh, um, who also had ideas about it, all the way through to Linux and what happened, what you the shit you just talked about, um, <laughs> is that like it sort of it flies in the face of the the belief that like. It is capitalism or business that drives innovation and things like that. Like, you know, the, yeah. you know, it's all these entrepreneurs that are out there starting their businesses and pushing and growing things. Are like the, the myth of that. Whereas like, of course, sometimes that's true. But every single step of the way with computing and with programming and leading to where we are now has been people actively subverting that. Yeah. Actively, deliberately not doing that. So it's like, we've had this journey of programming for like, what is it, 200 years yeah. or something like that? Something insane with this big gap in the middle of about 100 years where people <laughs> are just like, yeah, we'll do it later. But like, it's been a big fucking huge long journey to the point where it got... Just on the cusp of popular enough for somebody to try and just monetize it to a point where it's just fucking criminal. And the response of the community was to go, fuck me, fuck you, and build their own goddamn thing in an immense fucking rebellion. The story of programming is people yelling, hack the planet. It's fucking, it's the movie Hackers, man. (laughs) I just fucking really, really love that. I'm going to make you stop.
1: Yeah. <laughs> by
0: ending the episode, I'm gonna make you stop. I don't care if you have more notes. I haven't even talked about my computer yet. Do a mini zone. <laughs> I I'm Get out of my so face. fucked. <laughs> Guys this was amazing like genuinely I know I'm fucking and and like I'm not again just like with the numbers episode guys I'm I'm not playing this up I'm actually fucking fried like my my eyes are bloodshot I don't understand a lot of it's gone right over my head but it has been very very interesting and there's definitely been some exciting historical stuff that I've taken away from that I really enjoyed a lot of it so I hope you did as well if you're interested in getting into programming, now is the time. There are courses, that we're not sponsored. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's been great. It's been fun. Don't you forget. You can
1: do it through Khan Academy, which is free. Are you okay? Well,
0: do. not sponsored. But not yeah, fun. fucking get stuck in, guys. Just fucking do it. Just a quick reminder, we do now have a Patreon if you want to support the podcast you can do it there I know I just joked about Sam doing a mini zode, (laughs) but uh, at this stage all of our special bonus episodes the mini zodes that the Sams do in between episodes are available exclusively for our Patreon subscribers so if you want to hear those please give us your support we really appreciate it thank you all for listening for now it's goodbye from me and these lunatics (laughs) take care of each other friends I need a hug we'll talk to you soon